all sorts of situations we can apply this to of just knowing how you make decisions can impact so many other facets of your life and really putting it into practice. You are more than a lawyer. You are a powerhouse. Welcome to Powerhouse Lawyers. I'm your host, Erin Gurner, a former lawyer, wife, mom, entrepreneur, and coach. And I'm here to show you what's possible. So if you're ready, let's go. Hey, powerhouses. Welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you guys this week. And I'm super excited about our guest because she is someone that is going to talk about getting to know yourself better. I am a believer of being a student of yourself first and always, because I think once we learn about ourselves, we learn what makes us tick. We learn you know, what stories we need to get rid of. We learn what stories we want to keep. We really learn what our values are, what our goals are, what our priorities are. But it takes really learning about ourselves to be able to to know that. And so there are lots of different modalities to be able to do that. And um, one of them is called human design. And while I do not know everything, well, anything really about human design, I'm going to bring on my good friend, Amanda, to talk about it. But the thing I love about human design and the the thing that human design makes me think about is it makes me intentional about the way I show up in this world in the way I know myself. Because once you're familiar with your human design chart, you can really start to understand yourself a bit more. And maybe just simple, small shifts in the way you show up in the world can make all the difference to just how you feel on a daily basis. But we also talk about this because I just want to caveat this before we start the show. I think oftentimes in life and society, we want to fit ourselves into a box. We want to hear about a new modality. We want to hear about a new idea and say, oh my gosh, and latch onto that and be like, that's me. I'm a, for example, if I'm using myself, I'm a 5-1 generator and I fit myself into that box. That's not what this podcast is for. This podcast is for you to be able to learn more about yourself, but not fit yourself into a box. Society wants to fit us into a box, wants us to show up a certain way, wants us to practice law a certain way, wants us to mom a certain way. But what learning about yourself and what maybe dipping your toe into human design can do is you can just be a little bit more intentional about the way you love yourself, about the way you see yourself and the way you show up that can really make all the difference. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode and never stop learning about yourself. That's podcasts, that's books, that's hiring a mentor, that's finding community. Um, That's all of those things. When you are learning and growing and not staying stagnant, that's the sweet spot of life. If you're comfortable right now, I just encourage you to get a little uncomfortable because that is really where the gravy of this life is, is in the uncomfortableness. Take my word for it. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Oh my goodness, powerhouses. I am so excited about our next guest. Amanda Stark is joining me today and she is not only a certified life coach, but she's a human design expert and a sparkly witch, which I am 
just so excited about this human design situation. I love human design. I have a one in my profile, so it is no shocker that I like went down the rabbit hole and find this immensely interesting. So I'm so excited that she is our guest. But Amanda helps women build confidence, be decisive and trust their intuition and manage their energy using her special coaching, accountability, human design, her expertise and all of this stuff working together. And it basically helps women live the lives that they are truly meant to have, should have, dismantling all of these narratives so they can live you know, uniquely by their own human design, which is a unique imprint to every single person. So welcome to the show, Amanda. I'm so excited to have you. Oh, and she's also an attorney. Duh. That's the best part of this is that she's a human design expert. She's a life coach and she's an attorney. Duh. Like I forgot the most important (laughs) twist of this whole situation, which is why this conversation is going to be the jam. But Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, I always like, don't put that in my bio. I kind of forget about it. Then I'm like, oh, wait, (laughs) I have this degree and I spent 15 years of my life doing doing this thing. Whoops. <laughs> I know. Isn't that crazy? I'm actually speaking on a panel tomorrow about alternate, like alternative legal careers. Can you even imagine a panel being like that in our law school days? Like, would you have not fallen on the floor if someone was like, this, you have, there's an alternative <laughs> to this madness. <laughs> yes. And you know what is so funny? They actually, it's almost like, I don't know if it's funnier or worse or what, but it, at my law school, they did have like a career day thing every year. And there was a panel on alternative careers. It was like working for insurance companies was the alternative career that they <laughs> offered to us. And I was like, no, that's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> that's not what I was looking for when I came to this panel. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Oh my gosh. But anyway, tangent aside, Amanda, I would love, that was kind of a little Reader's Digest version about you, but I would love if you could take us back why you went to law school and how you have come full circle now helping women with human design, life coaching, all the things. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually went to law school uh, pretty much because my dad told me to. I am from a family of attorneys. Uh, My dad was an attorney. His dad was an attorney. I have attorneys on both sides of my family. And what I really wanted to do when I was graduating from high school was go to cosmetology school. I wanted to be a hairdresser. And so I proposed that plan to my parents and my dad said, that's not a real job. Fix something else. So I went to college. I got a business degree. And then I went to law school. I sort of like tried to find other plans, wasn't set on it, and then ended up doing that. Anyway, went to law school and then became a lawyer because that's what you do when you go to law school. And so I was did a couple other things to start out. But for the bulk of my career, I did healthcare compliance in a very small section of the world and actually worked my way up. I was the in a very small corner of the world, I was kind of famous. I was the number one expert in healthcare compliance for ambulance billing. So fire departments, ambulance agencies. Yeah. So travel, I had clients all over the country, traveled all the time. My firm was actually kind of a boutique firm. We put on conferences and events. So I did that. So there were a lot of things that I really liked about it, but it was male-dominated field on top of male-dominated field. And it was just a lot of different things kind of came together that it was like, okay, this is what I really thought I wanted to do. That firm that I worked for was like a dream job at one point. I manifested that position, like had all the things I thought I wanted. And then it was like, oh, but I'm actually so 
miserable. <laughs> like I used to just dread going to work in the morning. And then at night I would literally like clutch my wine glass and sob into my glass. Like I can't do this anymore. I just can't take it one more day. So big, long evolution of, you know, leaving left very abruptly, which is not something that I typically recommend to clients or anyone else, but I did. Um, it worked out. Yeah. <laughs> it worked out for me. I did that too. It's, I was like, that's kind of a one out of 10 recommend situation. I would not do that, but it all worked out yes, great. <laughs> yes. It worked out for me. Uh, but yes, that's not, that's not my advice to just like blow everything up. That is not typically what I recommend my clients do. But so I did that and just kind of really went on this path of self-discovery, which I personally had never done for a lot of reasons that I don't want to take our time on, but, you know, having kids young, getting married, young life circumstances where I grew up, kind of all the things that it was just like, I just had done this life of like checking the next facts. And it was like, oh, okay, here I am 40 years old. I don't really totally know what I like or what I want to do. So I just gave myself the time to put all the options on the table. Like law was still on the table, but so was everything else. What did I want to do? So through that process, I took some classes. I hired a coach. I just really kind of went through like, what do I like? What do I want my life to look like? You know, what parts of what I was doing do I want to bring with me? And then that led me to life coaching. I got certified um, as a life coach, started coaching. And then about a year, year and a half or so into that, I was in a business mastermind with a coach and she brought in someone who talked about human design. And I'd always really been, I like, you know, astrology and dabbled in like kind of all of those things, but I had never heard of human design specifically. And it was just the, you know, the heavens opened and the choir sang and all of the things happened that I was like, oh my gosh, this is the thing. Like I just found this fascinating. So by the end of that 90 minute workshop, I'd ordered about 10 books on Amazon. I looked up my chart on like six different sites. I was telling, I had one of my really good friends was in that mastermind with me. And I was like, I need your birth info immediately. Like I need more charts to look at. It's funny, her and I, and a couple of other friends, like the charts, I had them printed charts, like they're tucked into my books. They have wine all over them. They were just like notes scribbled in all of the corners. Cause I was staying up until like three in the morning. Like I must know everything. No surprise. If you know anything about human design, this will make sense too. If not, I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point, but I'm a one, three profile. So I'd have all of the information. That's the one. And then I had to start using it. That's the three. And so I was talking about it constantly, referencing it, telling people, you know, oh, well, that's in your chart or like talking about all the things. And finally, my business coach was like, uh, why aren't you using this in your coaching? And the thought had honestly never occurred to me. It was like, oh, no, this is just this fun thing that I'm doing for myself over here. And she's like, but it's totally changed everything that you're doing. Like, why wouldn't you want to share that with your clients? I was like, oh, yeah, actually, <laughs> if we think about it that way, I do. So I've been using human design in my coaching ever since. And it is still, I'm just in as in love with it as I was that very first day when I discovered it. It has just really, I feel like it just fills in so many of the pieces, especially I want to say for women, like it's so helpful to everyone. I pull charts on everybody I know, including the men, my son, my partner, all the things. But I think for women, we are just so often taught not to understand ourselves, not to go with our natural way of doing things, especially when you add on that extra, if you're a lawyer, otherwise work in a male dominated industry that is very structured, very rigorous, very logical. 
it's very easy to kind of get overpowered by that and not really kind of know how you do things. So I just feel like for women, especially, it's just that huge sense of validation when they start to discover what their human design is. And it's like, oh, wait, that is how I used to do things until I was taught that that was wrong. It's amazing how many light bulbs go off. I was like, oh, that's not weird. That's amazing that that's not weird. But I want to back up and point out something to the listeners, because when you left law, and I just think this is so important to shine light on, is that you went back to saying, like, let me try things. Let me figure out what brings me joy. Let me decide what feels good to me. I think so often we're on this hamster wheel of life and law. And if we get off or decide to pivot or feel like something's not aligned, it's like, I need to know the next 100% best step. But you just took the next I mean, to say like 100% know what you're doing, like you just took the next best step. You were like, okay, well, I'm just going to try this and try it on for a little bit and see how it feels and know that it's not permanent, right? To just lean into that knowledge to say like, I'm allowed to try and see if this feels good. So if that is you and you're listening to that and that resonated with you, like I just, I want to point that out. But Back to the human design, can you explain for people who have no idea what the heck human design is and are probably like, um, we're into this podcast and they keep talking about human design and one and three and numbers and we're going to need a definition. So for all of the listeners out there, can you start us at the beginning? Yes, absolutely. So human design at its core is a birth chart system. It is a channeled system. So it was created by someone who channeled it into existence, but it's based on several different sort of ancient wisdom modalities, for lack of a better term. So human design combines four different modalities into one. So astrology is one piece of it. The chakra system is another. There is the Kabbalah tree of life and the Chinese I Ching. And if you kind of think of it, if you, and if you've never looked at your human design chart, that's totally fine. But if you were to look at a human design chart that's completely filled in, which is not what most of us see when we get our like printed off copy off of the internet, but it is those four layers stacked on top of each other, right? So it's your time of birth and place of birth and all of that combines together to create the system of the, those four things tied together, which make up you. And one of the things that I love about it is that it does combine those four systems together. So for example, just I'll give two really short examples, just kind of what I think where it adds that extra piece. You know, in astrology, most of us know our sun sign in astrology, which is, you know, I'm a Virgo. I was born in September. I'm a Virgo, right? And there's a whole lot of layers to astrology that add nuance to that, that no point in going into. But it takes, human design takes that piece of it. It takes the what you were born under, but it also takes the signs, what was happening in the sky, about 90 days before you were born. It's 88 and a half days before you were born. And in human design, that is your subconscious personality. That's when that forms. And it's tied to a big burst in cognitive development in your utero, which is why it brings that in. So it just kind of adds that extra layer because we all have that piece of like, okay, yeah, this is my personality, right? Like this is, I can identify, I very strongly identify as a Virgo. That has always made sense to me. But then there's like these other pieces that it's like, okay, but that 
doesn't really align. So it's your subconscious personality that kind of pulls in. It's like, oh, once it's pointed out to you, which I think kind of Aaron is what you were saying, like, oh, that's not weird. And it's so nice to know it's not weird. It's like, there's these pieces in me that like, yeah, when they're pointed out, I know they're there. I wouldn't necessarily define myself that way. But that's where that kind of piece of validation comes in. And then I think another thing, just one more quick example of like having the extra layers of human design is like, if you've ever done, you know, energy work with, you know, the chakras or anything like that, super useful on its own can be amazingly helpful and beneficial. But it's like, okay, so for example, when I would do that stuff before I knew human design, it's like, okay, well, I know all the stuff about like root center, for example, like my root center is always the one that I'm like, yeah, probably need some clearing there, probably need to do some work on that. But I didn't really understand why until human design. So it's my root center in human design without getting into the technical aspects of it. I take on energy from other people in that spot. So of course, it's always out of balance because it's just like pulling in all this shit from other people that it's like, okay, that's why I constantly feel like no matter what I'm doing, like I constantly need to be clearing it, knowing that and just being able to incorporate that into life and having like a logical explanation for it that isn't like, what am I doing wrong? Why is all this work I'm doing not like creating this like permanently balanced root center? Well, it's just not the way that I'm designed. And so now it's per- it's super easy to stay on top of it now that I know. So I just think those extra layers, but basically it is a birth chart system that defines how you make decisions, how you interact with other people, how you want to show up at work, in business, in your relationships, your purpose in the world you know, it just really kind of gives you that framework that then you can work with and get into the nuance of once you understand more about your human design. It is unbelievably fascinating. So people just need their birth day, their birth time, and their birth place, correct? Yes. And then they can go and enter that in. So what are, so just from the top, there are different kinds of designs, right? So you can either be like a manifester, a generator, a manifesting generator. So that's, is that like the top layer Yeah, that we should like go down? Like as people, if they're just starting from the beginning, like, can you just take us? So they've entered their birth information. And so now we know what about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's really kind of three big things to know about your human design, even if you never take it any further. First, I do just want to say quickly, you can Google, we might, maybe Aaron will link somewhere, but you can just Google human design chart and there's probably 10 or 20 different places you can pull your chart. If you don't know your exact birth time, some people say use noon. Um, If you have a general idea like, oh, I was born really early in the morning, you know, kind of pick a time that's close. Sometimes it might make a difference. Sometimes it might not. I would say if you don't have your exact birth time, what I always tell people is just take what resonates from the chart and leave the rest because that's probably something that would be different if you had your exact time. So the three big pieces that you... I would recommend starting with and just getting even a basic understanding will help you. So the three things are your type, your authority, and then also just an overall look at your centers. So I actually am sort of in the minority, I think, in the human design world is I don't actually think your type is your most important thing. I actually think it's your authority because your authority is how you make decisions and it's how your intuition speaks to you. So even if you don't know anything about your type, you can use that information about your authority and find it to be really helpful and beneficial. And I will say this one piece of information, I will agree with you. This one piece of information I have taken with me and I 
it has like, I lean into it hard. Like, and I used to think that that was so weird that I would feel that way, but now just leaning into it. And I'm always like, okay, I got to sleep on it. Mm -hmm. Like I am not an instant decision maker. I'm like, you got to give me time. Like I got to ride the wave. Yes. And so then I, then I just, but it's so validating to know and just to give your space, yourself the space to do that. Yeah. Anyway, so continue. I would agree with you. Yes. And so just using you and I, Aaron, since you sent me your chart and I looked at it before, we both have emotional authority. So for people that are listening, someone with emotional authority, it is you get kind of that wave. And once you feel settled, that's when your decision is made. So it might be you need to sleep on it. You might just need to sit with it for a few minutes, sometimes longer than that, depending on the type of decision and you know the ultimate impact. But I think the reason, and I think that's such a good example, is because a lot of conventional wisdom will say, like, just go with your gut. And some people, that's great advice. If you have sacral authority, which is a different authority in human design, that is absolutely what you should do. But other people need to sit with it. Some people need to talk it out with someone else. Some people just kind of have this inner knowing that they can't explain. It isn't a gut feeling. It's just like the answer comes to them. So it's knowing that and then kind of going back to what Aaron said before, knowing like if you're someone, for example, like, oh, the answer just comes to me. Like know that about yourself. That's not weird. You don't need to justify it to anybody else. But knowing that is your authority and how you operate, I think, can be really useful. So that's authority. Your type, as Aaron said, there's five types. There's manifestors, manifesting generators, generators, projectors, and reflectors. And those are the five big types. And it is super useful to understand your type just kind of at a basic level. But I would compare that to, you know, that's a category that there's only five for the entire human population, right? So it's useful, but there's all sorts of nuance within that, that I think sometimes people can get hung up on like, oh, well, I'm this type. So that means I can't do certain things or like I'm limited in some way, which is not true. Human design is always intended to be a tool to use for you, not to limit you in any way. So, but I do think it's especially useful, like since we're talking to lawyers, like for example, if you are a projector, right, you may not have the capacity to build 3,200 hours a year, or your way of doing it might look different than the person next to you, just because you aren't designed to be a go, 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 constantly working person, right? Or, but on as if you're a generator, like Aaron and I are, right, you might be totally capable of that, but you might do it at the detriment to everything else because generators, we tend to be the worker bees and the energizer bunnies and not necessarily know when it's time to shut off or when we're doing things at the detriment to our own well-being, those types of things. I know that was definitely me at my last firm. Like I was like, sure, I'll do our marketing promotion. Yep, I'll run our events. Yes, I'll still be the primary speaker. Oh yeah, I'll still travel the country helping people with their compliance. Like, And so it was just, I just kept adding on more and more and more and not knowing like just because you have the capacity to do something doesn't mean it's in your best interest or anyone else's, quite frankly, to keep doing that. So that's another huge piece of it. And then I don't want to go like down the rabbit hole with it, but also just looking at your centers without going into each one. If you're just looking at your chart for the first time, a really easy and useful way to use your centers is look at how many are colored in versus how many are white. So you have nine total centers on your chart. The more you have colored in, the more you are generating your own energy and you have more capacity to keep going. But again, kind of going back to with the generators, be careful it's not at your own detriment. 
the more you have open, you're taking on energy from other people and you may need more time to just kind of like be alone and rest and chill. And I think for my clients, that's something that's been really huge and just understanding that, like just in terms of how you're scheduling your time and your days and alone time versus time with other people, those kinds of things that can be really life-changing without even needing to know what each of the centers mean. Just looking at your overall balance can be really useful as well. So I think those are the top three things if you're just starting with human design. But if I'm just recommending one thing, it would be get some information about your authority and start practicing using that. So what are some examples of clients that you've worked with, high achieving women, attorneys, even the examples of them using this in their life? How can people, can you explain the different types of authorities and then explain maybe how those would be useful if those were your particular type of authorities? Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of examples that I can share. So for example, there is a type of authority. There's actually two types of authorities, but they essentially mean the same thing. So I'm going to talk about them as if they're one. So you have what's called a projected authority. And what that means, if that's your authority, is you need to talk things out with other people. And it's not seeking advice, right? It's not saying, what do you think I should do? But it's the act of talking it out, right? So knowing that, like if we're talking in a law firm setting, right, for example, is just knowing like, okay, I need to talk this through with my paralegal or I need to, you know, chat with a coworker, you know, as we go for a walk or whatever, just kind of like sort through this in my mind, then I can come to my own conclusion about what I think is the next best course of action or what I want to recommend to the client or whatever. But just knowing like I need to do that instead of sitting by yourself, trying to like sort through the information and just kind of getting lost in it because that's not your specific authority. You need to verbalize it, right? So that's one example, I think, of just using your authority. And we could use, put that into action in any of the types of authorities. That's just one example, right? Of just knowing, okay, this is my process, right? For making decisions. So there's that. Another example that I can think of, so I actually have a couple of clients that we've spent a lot of time working on this, is clients who have sacral authority, which the sacral authority is the go with your gut, right? You get that like immediate gut instinct, but then doubting that gut instinct. And there's different parts in your chart that can influence this too, but also just being a woman makes it hard to trust your gut in this society because we have not been taught that it's okay to do that. We haven't been taught like to rely on ourselves or to trust our own first instincts, right? So regardless of what else has happened in your chart, that can be really challenging to just kind of like trust that instinct, that gut feeling. And so what will happen is I see this a lot with clients and that describe themselves as indecisive when they're actually the exact opposite, right? They are very quick decision makers. They know exactly what to do right away, but then they talk themselves out of it or they second guess it, or they're the ones going to other people trying to get like the validation or, you know, the buy-in instead of just saying, nope, I trust myself. This is the right decision. This is what my gut instinct is. So I think just, which is why I think it's so important. And these are obviously, you know, lawyer specific examples, but these happen at home with your mom, like all sorts of situations we can apply this to of just knowing how you make decisions can impact so many other facets of your life and really putting it into practice. So one of the things I do with my clients is we come up with examples because you are intuitively doing this, whether you realize it or not, 
once you've identified your authority, you're like, oh, yeah, that is how I like to make decisions, but I don't always trust myself to do that. So one of the things I do with my clients early on is we look at some of those examples and then reverse engineer. Okay, when did I trust my process? How did that turn out? Even if I wouldn't have said, oh, this is my authority and this is my process at the time. Now, looking back, I can see that's what it was. And that's something you can all do as well, right? Is like, look at, okay, when is a decision that like, I felt good about it. It worked out. I followed my process, all the things. How did I feel in that moment? How did I, like, what was my process for getting there? How did I know I'd reached a decision versus other times when I, you know, second guess myself, went with someone else's advice, even though I didn't agree with it, those kinds of things. So you can start to see the difference for you and how you're thinking, how you're feeling, what that like conversation in your head is like as you're making those decisions, so you can rely on that process going forward. And I also imagine this has a huge impact with how you interact with others. Maybe knowing even knowing their chart information. So can you speak to that? How it really can impact how you your relationships as well in a positive way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. So a couple of different things. So I have two teenage daughters. One is 14 and one is 16. They're both projectors, but they have different authorities. So just knowing how they need to make decisions, one, it helps me facilitate that for them, right? But also just as a mom, not getting, a note. like for example, my older one, my 16-year-old is a junior this year. And when she was planning out her courses for the year, which I know it's easy like for us post-law school and all the things, it's easy to forget. That's a very stressful time, right? It's like, you've really got to start thinking about your college applications and am I going to have the right credits? And is this going to be what they're looking for, right? So she was really stressed about it. She has projected authority. So she needed to talk it out. I literally did not give any input to her course selection, but I mean, she had papers laid out all over the floor with all the different like possibilities and how she could fit all of the different things in and just talk to me for like an hour and a half about it. And then like, okay, this is the one I'm going to go with and pulls a paper off the floor and feels totally great about it. But it's like, A, I didn't get annoyed with her. B, I didn't feel like, oh, I'm supposed to be stepping in and helping her solve this. She's capable of solving it. She's just going through her process of she needs to talk it through to somebody. And I literally, like I was cooking and working and doing other things while she talked, it was just being the person to like hear the information from her to give her the sounding board, right? Which is very different than my other daughter who also has emotional authority. So she just needs to sit with things, right? So knowing that, just I think understanding that about other people, but then also like I am a generator with six defined centers. So like my capacity to keep going, like I have to work on the opposite. Like this end of year, my goals are like resting. I think you even have seven, don't you? Or six? I, you had quite I a don't few. know. I'm counting right now. I'm one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. Six, yes. two. So no yes. wonder. <laughs> yes. So, and it's like my, I actually like really hard have been working on like more rest time and prioritizing those things for myself, you know, especially being, I don't want to say especially because it's true in all aspects. It was true when I was working as a lawyer. It's true when I work for myself, right? Like we always can come up with more things. My partner is a projector and he's a seventh grade teacher. So he has a set block of time all day long where he is around not only people, but seventh graders. So like, let's just take a second for that, right? And he's a projector. So it's like, it could in previous lives, like if I wouldn't have gotten his birth time on our first date, you know, like I, 
easily could have been like, he takes a nap every day after school. It would be so easy for me to be annoyed by that. Right. And to like, my husband is the projector as well. And he sleeps all the time, (laughs) but he is, he's like, he's with people all the time. I'm like, there is zero chance that a human being can be this tired where I am like, addicted to being busy. I'm like yeah. running like a busy bee. Like yes. behind. He's like, you're making me nervous. I can feel you. That is so yes. wild. So his chart is mostly open and he's a projector. So that nap is really him just like releasing all of that like seventh grade energy. Right. And like and more, I can imagine. Right. And you know, I mean, he's like one of like five adult men in the entire building all day. Right. Like it's a lot. It's a lot of energy that isn't his that he's taking on all day long. So it's like just knowing that about him or being like when he said we just recently had a very busy weekend and like to him, what's just like, oh my gosh, it's so busy. And I had so many things and we had to do all of this. And I'm like, normal day. Right. Like so, but it's just knowing that and just having that compassion and understanding for just where we're coming at. Like neither of us is right or wrong. It just has made it so much easier that I'm not expecting him to like meet my standard of what a day should look like or how busy you should be or any of those things, you know? And I think that that has been really beneficial. Understanding your partner or anyone else's that you work with closely or live with or whatever's decision-making process is huge too, because we don't all do things the same way. So yeah, I think it can have a massive impact. But I do also want to say, because you probably aren't always or ever going to know your coworkers or your boss's information to get that, just knowing yourself and knowing how you make decisions your capacity for doing things, your way, like, you know, don't want to go down the rabbit hole of profiles, but like how Aaron and I both said, you know, we both have a one in our profile. We need to know all of the information, right? Not everybody is that way. Some people can be like, okay, sounds good. Let's do that, right? Without needing to like do the deep dive. So just understanding like, okay, this is my specific way of operating. That may not be everybody else's. Even if you don't know their specific way, I think can be incredibly beneficial. I totally agree. I'm all about learning as much as you can about yourself just to help you get to where you need to go faster. I feel like the more we know about ourselves, the faster we can move in this life because then we can work in our zone of genius and then work on the things Mm -hmm. that are actually not serving us or get rid of them. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious about this because I think attorneys are prone to this. We like to fit ourselves in a box. So we love a worksheet and we love like when someone's like, oh, this is how you do this. Like, here you go. Boom. Right. It's like, give me my worksheet for life. How do you not take your human design and your chart and be like, oh, this is now my worksheet for life. How do you live out your design and not let your design live you? Yeah, I love that question because it is. Yes, it's especially true like that. I think we all have the tendency to do that. And, you know, I have clients that that's, you know, they hire me and it's like, no, you're just going to tell me exactly what to do. And that's why I really work with, I work with clients for six months so that we can say like, okay, this like random event, right? This argument with your partner, this meeting at work, this thing, wherever happened, let's talk about it. And then also use those elements of your human design that apply here to say like, okay, how can we manage that better? Why did I react this particular way? So we can manage it going forward and really use that information. Like I love the way you said it, live your human design and not let it live you. Right. So I think a couple of things that I think is really beneficial. One, it's always a tool for you. So if you're ever interpreting it in a way that means like, 
I can't do something, right? So for example, projectors, right? Or someone with a lot of open centers that needs downtime during the day. That doesn't mean you can't work at a law firm that requires 3,000 billable hours. You absolutely can. If that's something that you choose to do, you may just need to structure your days differently, right? You may need to build in some downtime during the day, or you might need to, you know, strategically plan your vacations throughout the year. So you have some of that downtime built in, you know, there's lots of ways you can work with it, you know, if that's what you choose to do. So just like, you know, I would never say a projector can't be a seventh grade teacher, right? Like he's a great teacher. He loves his job, but he needs a nap after every single workday because that's a lot, <laughs> right? So I think just kind of working with it, like a really kind of tiny example in my life is like once I was really clear, like, oh, I need to sit with decisions. I really tried to eliminate as many like small decisions as possible. Either like I just decide this is what I always do. Like for example, one for me, I eat the same thing for lunch every single day. That may not be for everybody. I'm not saying that's the solution, but for me, I'm not a big food person. So it was really easy for me to be like, okay, if I just do this every single day, then I don't have to decide, right? Like then that's just done and I don't have to take time out of the middle of my day. I have a little app with a wheel on it that decides my workouts. Like I spin it and okay, am I going to do yoga today? Am I going to do spin? Am I going to go for a walk? Like what am I going to do? Just I don't, I've decided in advance that what the wheel tells me, that's what I'm going to do. Because otherwise I literally was like scrolling through my Peloton app. Do I feel like doing this? Do I feel like doing this? Oh my God. Yeah. We must have a very similar design because I literally need to do this. This is my problem. I cannot... I hate making decisions. Yeah. Like, and I know that that's in my human design because people who need to give me A or B, not like the question mark and leave it blank. Yeah. I'm, that's a bad move. For yes. Me. Yes. So, yes. And it is you and I do have very similar charts. Both, we both have a one in our profile. We're both generators with emotional authority. So, and again, without the like, totally going down the rabbit hole, that generator with emotional authority, that means you get a sacral response, which is what you're saying. Like, I need a choice. I need a yes, no. But then the decision comes from sitting with it and feeling settled. So like the endless scroll of the Peloton app is just like circuit breaking, like for our decision-making system. So things like that, that's just for me personally. But, you know, other things that we do, like things I've worked with clients on, you know, kind of like I said, is like knowing what your process is. So instead of saying, like a lot of my clients aren't lawyers, but to kind of translate this into a lawyer example, right? Like if I know I have a projected authority, let's say, and I need to talk things through, then I don't want to be in the office by myself on Sunday finishing my pleading before it needs to be filed on Monday because I can't pop into my coworker's office or call in my paralegal or whatever the thing is, right? That is not conducive to my process, right? Or if I am a projector, then I don't want to tell myself like, okay, well, I'm really tired today, so I'm going to leave at 2.30, but I am going to work a 12-hour day tomorrow because you're you're not, right? Or you're not going to do it productively and efficiently if that's what you set yourself up to do. So just kind of really tweaking just the way you are doing things to set yourself up for success in the future, right? Instead of just like, trying to go against your type all of the time, somebody else may like not show up to work Monday or Tuesday and then they work 18 hour days, Wednesday through Friday, and they are great with that. Fine. But if that's not the way you are going to be efficient and work, don't keep telling yourself that you're going to because you just get stuck in that like cycle of not being able to do it. 
So it's very validating to me to know these small idiosyncrasies about myself, because I think you're right. And especially as women, we are driven to be one way, to show up one way, to mom one way, to practice law one way. And it's like, if you're, if you don't, you know, if your house doesn't look like the container store or if your Christmas tree in your house isn't like perfectly matched, you know, it's all of these things that we need to like conform to and be. And it always makes you feel like you're not enough, that you're never enough. And we start obviously incorrectly attaching our worth to these things. So that is why, and that's the power of really knowing yourself and knowing yourself better and knowing and leaning into these little idiosyncrasies about yourself because it is small, simple changes over time that are going to create massive shifts. So if you know that you're a projector and you can't work three 12-hour days and you give yourself the schedule that is actually conducive to what works with your profile and your human design, you're going to be so much more productive on all levels. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and I think two things that come to mind when you say that, like one, you know, we haven't touched on it as much, but like when you have open centers and you're taking on energy for other people, even just understanding that at a basic level. So, you know, one example, I have several clients that are like this, that they have an open head and third eye center, which just basically means they're taking on everybody else's thoughts and ideas constantly and like cycling through them. And it makes it impossible to find their own thoughts on a subject, right? So even just knowing that and being like, okay, maybe I need to go outside and like sit for five minutes, right? And just like let all of that go and then ask myself the question or like put the topic up to my brain to see what comes up, right? Knowing those kinds of things, like just what's me versus what is because that's also our open centers are where we've been the most conditioned because we're most susceptible to that outside energy, outside ideas, outside thoughts, like whichever version of that resonates with you. It's all essentially the same thing. But I also think what's so important, like what you're calling idiosyncrasies, but you know, living your chart, even if you can't find something on your chart that specifically says like, oh, I should do this, right? The more you live your chart and start doing things that feel right to you, that are aligned for you, that are intuitive for you, that carries over into absolutely every other aspect of your life, which makes it a lot easier to say like, okay, no, I haven't seen anybody else do that this way, but I know that's the way that I'm supposed to do it, right? Or this just makes sense to me. So I'm going to do it that way. And it eliminates a lot of that other like, I need to look for the right answer. Someone else needs to be doing it that way. From the tiny little things to the, you know, kind of like big life-changing things, the more you practice doing things your way on a daily basis, the easier it becomes to do it, right? It's that self-fulfilling prophecy. Gosh, I totally agree. I mean, I I mean, I totally agree. I'm just thinking back about the little changes that I've made just with my like Reader's Digest knowledge of human design, just little shifts that I've made in the way that I think and trust. And honestly, you trust yourself. Like there are so many times in our lives where, especially with that emotional authority, like you, you always say like, man, and I think back about decisions that I've know that I've made like the right way. And I'm like, golly, like what was the difference? And then just learning that little bit of information. It's like, okay, like that is what that was. And I can go back to that feeling and know that it's right. 
and that that is actually my intuition talking to me, not like the outside noise. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, in using it, like I think we tend to, I'm just going to offer this example because I think it's a funny one that I use in my life, but I, it's also something I recommend to clients with emotional authority is like, we tend to think like, oh, intuition and decisions, it has to, it's only about these like really big things. Since I've discovered my emotional authority, I have stopped impulse buying things almost entirely, right? Like it goes in my Amazon cart. I have certain days yes. that I can buy, th- like Amazon is a one for me that I really had to like be like, oh, okay, we can't be spending $100 every day on Amazon. Like that needs to stop. But I'm exaggerating kind of, but like, you know, but in terms of it's not just, oh, big investments like a vacation or investing in, you know, a coach or, you know, something like that, that's a higher ticket investment. I use it with that too. But even just, you know, like the $20 tarot deck or the little thing that I saw from the home edit for my house, right? Like it goes in the cart first. And I probably have 70 things saved in my Amazon cart at any given time. And then when it's like, oh, okay, now it feels like I actually want to buy it. Or some things will probably honestly just sit in there forever and I won't ever buy them. But that's a huge difference from a couple of years ago when they would just be sitting in my house not being used instead of sitting in my cart forgotten. And like, is that major and life-changing? No, maybe not, but also kind of, because it's just knowing that like, I don't have to, like, I can trust myself to make those decisions that I have a process that I can follow and that I don't need to like be susceptible to like Black Friday deals, for example, of something that I never even thought about buying. Those kinds of things carry over into every area of your life because then you're not doing it when Somebody else says like, oh, you should do this thing or why are you doing that thing? And then you're like, no, because I'm following my process. So I'm totally clear on what works for me and what doesn't. It's been huge in me helping me set boundaries and say no. Yeah. It's been huge, like hugely impactful for me because I'm like, nope, that is that does not feel right to me. Like I know, I know I can tell you right now that that's a no for me Mm -hmm. because, you know, my, you know, my instinct is always say yes. I think, you know, as a recovering people pleaser, but that's been hugely impactful for me as well. So I know we don't want to like go down the rabbit hole or whatever, but I would love if you would touch on like profile lines a little bit, because this also to me has been huge for me, like kind of knowing my profile line, um, especially like we were just talking about the one for instance, but anyway, I was wondering if you could just kind of give us a little bit of information about that. Yeah. So your profile is sort of, I've heard it described a couple of ways, but it's basically sort of how you operate, I guess is kind of how I would think of it. I've heard it described as like the character you play. But so for example, like as a one three, my one profile means I need to know all of the things, right? Like I am someone I like to watch a lot of documentaries or like historical fiction. And I read a lot of those things as well. And so I'm someone that it can take me three hours to watch a one hour historical show because I'm like, needing to look up. And I also have like a royalty fascination. So if I'm watching something from on like Scottish Kings and Queens from the 1400s, I'm spending half the time on Wikipedia, like tracing family trees. Yes. So because it's like, I I can't just like trust what they're saying to me, I need to have all of the information. And then I don't, I probably don't even know, but I would be embarrassed to share how many times I've like watched a like show on historical British royals or Scottish and like traced it all the way to our current royalty on Wikipedia. Like it's just like, I need to have that for my brain. So that's a line one. And it can be very 
beneficial, right? Like when I find something like I, that I love, like human design or, you know, coaching or anything, like I want to know all about it. You can trust that I've like done the deep dive. And then for me, the three is, three is experimenting and then teaching, right? So it's like, I'm not going to teach anything that I haven't done myself. Like I really need to like get in there and use it. And then I'll tell people about it. And everybody has their... So how many profile... Can you explain like how many profile lines there are and like how many numbers there are and that kind of stuff just for everybody's basic knowledge? Yes. Yes. So there are six profile lines. Everybody has two. So if you remember what I said a little bit ago at the beginning... One of the things about human design is it not only takes your time and place of your birth, but the 88 and a half days from before you were born. So that's where the two lines of your profile come from. So your first line is from describing like your conscious personality, your conscious operating manual. And then your second line is your subconscious operating manual that represents your subconscious personality. And so you can pull them apart. You know, we definitely have you'll see elements of both. But it's really what I think the magic of the profile is putting them together of like, oh, this is how I do things. And it's once like, I'm not someone that would just say like, oh, I'm going to go like, talk about this thing that I've read about for five minutes, right? Or like, I'm someone who even just like in current events conversations, right? I will say like, oh, well, I really don't know a whole lot about it. So like, because of that, because I haven't given myself the information that I feel like I need, that I'm not comfortable moving to like the experimenting piece of it, which is my subconscious personality. So it's just kind of pulling them together that can really be useful. I think two things about profiles. I think profiles, I would caution, especially when you are first learning about them, take what feels validating and nothing that feels limiting. Because I do think sometimes, especially as women, we can use those profiles of like, like using my one for continuing to use myself mm -hmm. as, as an example of like, well, but why can't I just say like, oh, I've read this four paragraphs and I'm good to go. And I don't need to know every single thing about everything. Like who cares how many kids Queen Victoria had and like where they all are. Right. So we judge ourselves for it. Yeah. Essentially, we start judging ourselves for the lack of other profiles, yeah. basically. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I think it's just kind of saying like, okay, yes, this is my process. And it may be things like, you know, maybe I don't want to do that during the workday and like go down the rabbit holes and I can, you know, set boundaries for myself or, you know, just be aware of that tendency to want to do that, to be like, oh, is this something that I really need to know everything about? Or is this just something like mildly interesting that I'm never going to think about again? So I could just let it go. Right. And, but I think that can also be validating as knowing that about yourself, but just being really cautious to use it in a way that is helpful and useful for you. So just like, I think, I kind of love, like, if we're doing, like, Disney villains, right? Like, let's say I just watched Cruella recently, right? So, like, it's very easy to cast someone as a villain. But then if you learn their backstory, right, whether it's Cruella and, like, her really sad upbringing and, you know, how she kind of brought herself up from nothing or Ursula, who actually tried and, like, kind of stole her kingdom. So maybe she's not as evil <laughs> as, as we thought she was. You know, it's like... If we're thinking of profiles as your character, every character has a nuance and a backstory too. So don't use that character profile against you. It's just another piece of information that you can use. I know because that's interesting with my profile. I'm a 5'1". And so that is something 
So if you can you explain, like, can you go into that a little bit? Because mine can be one of those ones, I think, where you can like really, if you don't really fully understand it or decide, you know what I mean? Figure out what feels good to you in that profile. It can feel like aggressive. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, actually, Erin, your line five is a great example. So line five is known as the heretic line, and it is also kind of considered them, you can be seen as a mirror, right? Which can be a really good thing, but it can also, it's very easy to use against yourself because if you're just kind of learning about the five profile, one of the things you'll read a lot is like, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, but like people may not know the real you, like you're mirroring back to them what they want to see, right? And so you can really, I can imagine it would be pretty easy to like turn that on yourself of like, I'm not authentic or I am people pleasing. Right. And I think maybe that line could lend itself to that a little bit, but I also think we can really look at that line five and say that is on the other people, right? That's on the other people who are trying to fit you into what they expect, not necessarily on you for being that thing. Right. So, you know, I think it's kind of funny, but it's what came to my mind, but I have teenage daughters, right? So Taylor Swift Swift lyrics are constant in my house at all times, but it's that line from all too well, where she's like, who was she that never needing, always loving jewel, right? It's like, that's what (coughs) Jake projected onto her, right? And not necessarily who she ever portrayed herself to be. So I think that can really be applied to the line five is like, you still have the agency to say, do I want to be a people pleaser? Do I want to conform to this mirrored expectation that other people are putting on me? Or am I going to say they can have their expectations, that's on them, but I can own the piece of it that says I'm really here to help others. I'm here to reflect back to them what they need to see to help themselves, right? Not to be the person that they've projected into the mirror. Which is ironic because that's literally like what I do as a coach, right? Like, isn't that the most ironic thing? Like truly like living out your design. Um, It's been, it's just been incredibly informational to me and validating. It makes me trust myself um, a lot more. But before we wrap up, I would love if I could just like pick your brain on like, if you're looking at my chart, is there any fun things that I need to know on this that are like, might change my day. Yeah. Or the way I like some, some fun little nuggets that I need to know about my chart. <laughs> yes. So a couple of things that I looked one, I mean, obviously our charts are very similar in a lot of ways. So that stood out to me, but I also think, and I'll share this with you because it's one of the ways our charts are similar, but I has made such a huge difference for me. And it's something every single one of my clients that we worked on this is been like, I've had many clients say back to me, like, this is one of the biggest takeaways that I've had is, so Aaron and I both have open root centers. So with your root center being open, that open center can make you feel very rushed, very pressured, and it can be very adrenaline fueled, like sort of like a frantic kind of feeling is how I would describe it. And I think also combined with being a generator, right? It's not only do I want to be busy and do, 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 but I'm behind. I start the day behind. I finish the day behind. I need to have done 72 more things than I've accomplished during the day. And I've even seen it, you know, for myself, and some of these are not mine, but my client, but like for myself, like 
eating really fast. Like I don't have time to eat because I am so rushed to do the next thing, right? Or like frantically doing as many things as possible before you have to leave the house to pick up kids or get to an appointment or whatever. So I could keep going, but this for me, and I've said it to my clients as well. And like I said, this is something that they've reflected back has just been hugely beneficial is when you feel that like frantic rushed feeling is literally stopping, taking a breath. And I even like to just like push the air away, like really take a breath and breathe out and push it away. And I tell myself, this is in my mind. I am not being rushed. And just really kind of bringing myself back to like, okay, what do I need to do right this second? If anything, because sometimes it's nothing. (laughs) And then saying like, I am not feeling rushed to do anything else. And sometimes, especially when I first started and I've had my clients do that, say that to yourself as soon as you get up in the morning, because I think it can be really easy. Like we just, as soon as we get up and it's like, oh my gosh, I meant to get up at 6.30 and it is 6.32 and now I am already behind and my day is totally ruined, right? So just releasing that energy. And I think that is one too, it's energy from other people, but that's where we as women take on a lot of conditioning because we associate our worth with how much we're doing and like what we have to show for ourselves at the end of the day. And so it's just really kind of pushing that away and bringing yourself back to you and like saying, okay, well, I said I was going to do three things today. Or if I only get these two things done today, I can consider that a success or whatever. It may not be, depending on your personality, it may not be, although I'm guessing you and I are so similar and with the lawyer background, probably for most of the people listening, it is the like check the to-dos kind of thing. But that can come from like, I've seen it manifest in other ways as well, not necessarily checking the to-dos, but like whatever the expectation is, for yourself or that you believe you have for yourself is feeling that like rushed and frantic sort of feeling kind of constantly and not being able to just sit. That also can show up when we're like having our relaxation time. I'm using air quotes like relaxation time, but we're also like on our phones and meal planning and checking emails and doing all of those things. And we're just fueling that adrenaline instead of releasing it. That is hugely helpful because I really resonate with that frantic feeling. My The thing that I have started doing that's been so impactful for me, and I've actually started telling my clients to do it too, is just drive in silence. Like shut off the radio and drive in silence because I feel that franticness again in the car. I'm like, what am I going to listen to? What podcast? What do I need to catch up on? What episode? I mean, like what is happening? You know, like what book am I on? What chapter? Where do we leave off? All it's just frantic all the time. And so I drive a lot and everyone's driving somewhere at some point in time during the day. And I'm like, just just turn off the radio. Like I have to turn off the noise, but I resonate so much with that frantic energy. And I love like the physical movement of just pushing it down and just coming back to center is yeah, is huge. And I need I needed to hear that today. Well, so I appreciate it. Good. That, I'm guys. glad that was helpful. I will say for me, I have I don't necessarily do it in the car, but I have a strict no phone rule when I walk my dog. So, and I mean, I have, I live in a community where I'm not like worried about being out by myself. So I mean, safety first always, but you know, and that's just, just to put it out there as another example, you know, I take him on a 15 minute or so walk several times a day. That's a no phone. Like I'm not doing something out. Like it is literally just me outside releasing. Like, yeah. 
So, you know, and I have to put that and I have to make myself accountable to that. Like, that's the other thing is that I think what human design can really give you is the permission to put the intentionality behind your life that you need to and do the things that serve you, that align with you, that really fuel you. But those are things you have to be intentional about, right? Like now that you know, yeah. now that you're aware, you can actually start doing something about it. So I think that is really what we can all really learn from human design is yeah. to just the intentionality that we can start living our lives with. Yeah, 100%. Both where you can lean into things that serve you and then also say like, okay, well, I know I'm more susceptible to conditioning in this area or you know, taking on other people's expectations or whatever, right? And so then I can plan for that in advance or just notice the symptoms of that in me so that I can counteract it, right? We're always capable of changing the narrative. It's just recognizing where it's something that you have a choice in and you can release and let go and make intentional. I love that we're intentional changes around it. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, Amanda, this conversation has been so beautiful. Thank you so much for your time, your energy, your knowledge, your expertise about this. You can literally go to like myhumandesign.com and put in your birth date and get your chart. And it's just like a little quick and simple one. But I would love to um, let our listeners know, Amanda, where they can find you if they really want to dive deep in some human design and work with you and any programs and fun stuff you've got coming up. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you can find me on Instagram at glitterandgravitas.com. I'm also, or at glitterandgravitas is my handle. My website is glitterandgravitas.com. I'm also on Facebook, but not as active over there. I have lots of fun on Instagram. You should totally come follow me over there. My stories are lots of fun. Um, lots of good human design wisdom on my website. Um, I have a library of hundreds of posts that talk about human design information specifically, but also the intersectionality of human design and feminism and deconditioning from the patriarchy using that human design information. So you can check that out as well. I do have a couple of free uh, resources, both on profiles and on intuitive decision-making. Uh, they are not on my website, but if you uh, send me a message or come find me on Instagram and send me a DM over there, happy to send those to you. So you have those. It's the reverse engineering process I talked about earlier on using your authority to make decisions. And then also just a quick take summary of each of the profiles. So you kind of have like a one-liner elevator pitch of what your profile means. So you can check that out there. Thank you so much for having me. This has been amazing. I could chat human design all day, every day. So I love the opportunity to come and talk about it. Yes. And we'll link those freebies up in the show notes as well. So everyone can find those. But before I let you get out of here, you know, I've got to pull your Legally Blonde moment. So what's your Legally Blonde moment, my love? Okay. The thing that comes to mind is I was before my, I had wave of a journey and my legal career. So before I was at my firm, my last firm, I was in-house uh, for an ambulance company for several years. And we were having, I don't remember now, it's been a while, but there was a big training and I had something else in the morning, but I was like, I wanted to come in here the training that they were, it was for, you know, the crew for the field personnel, but I want to come and hear it. So I was like, I know I'm going to be late. And I'm like, I'm just going to like sneak into the back. Nobody's going to notice that I wasn't here the whole time. Right. And it's like kind of in an auditorium style training room. And I come in the back and I had a sparkling water in my hand. No. So I came in, I sat down in the back. It's so much worse than you're imagining. I like sit down, get all settled. 
like put my phone in my lap, right? And then I go to like open my sparkling water. It didn't just spill. It like exploded. The cap went flying, like hit the ceiling. I made a noise. I stood up. My phone and my name badge go flying. I mean, it was the most conspicuous interest. I might as well have just walked into the front and been like, hey guys, I'm here. You gotta love it. Those things go off like a geyser sometimes. I've had that happen to me too. I've had that happen. Those things are dangerous. They can be. And it was just like, it would have been bad no matter what, but it was literally like, I'm just like, I'm going to be so stealth and just sneak in the back and everybody's, nobody's going to know I wasn't here from the beginning. And it was quite the entrance that I made. Yeah, you're like, hi, Amanda's here. Would anyone like to just, I'll be here all day. Thanks Council so much. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. And again, I appreciate you coming on the show. Powerhouses, have a great week. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening into the Powerhouse Lawyers podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you catch your podcasts. If you loved this episode, I would be so honored if you left a review. And because I know you are the type of woman who wants to see other women win, be sure to share this episode with someone who needs it. By sharing it, you are empowering a fellow sister in the law to know that she is not alone, that there is nothing wrong with her, and that she can build a life and career that she loves. Thank you. See you next week.